and welcome back to this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. Also, welcome back to Season 2 of Practice Management Insights. We had such a great response to Season 1, and I am excited to continue our journey together of discussing some of the most important topics and challenges affecting healthcare leaders today. I am your host, Ashley Malone, and I am so glad that you've tuned in. For those of you that are newer to our podcast, I serve as the practice administrator of an ophthalmic surgical group in South Carolina, and I've worked in the healthcare industry for about 20 years. I'm also a business owner, and I work in a consulting capacity with healthcare clients around the country through our parent company, Practice Management and Legal Consulting. This podcast series was actually launched after I started searching for podcasts for myself. Couldn't really quite find what I was looking for, so we decided to create one. We noticed that so many of us are going through the same challenges, and even though we think our area of healthcare is really special or unique, but in all reality, there's actually quite a lot of similarities Um, and commonalities to what we're all dealing with. So across the board, you know, most of us start off really bright-eyed, ready to tackle the world, and then we kind of slowly start wearing down as the challenges of our roles start to chip away at everything we have. Visions turn into maintenance, human resources becomes a pain point, regulatory requirements create frustrations, some cases downright fury, sprinkle in a little worldwide pandemic, and we have the birth of practice management insights. So we're here to cover those topics, to build that community, and hopefully tackle some of these topics together. So now on to today's episode, where we will be talking about the very serious and unfortunately very common topic of embezzlement. I usually reserve this topic for my physician owner groups since they are typically the ones getting stolen from. And unfortunately, that theft typically happens without their knowledge. So these discussions become an opportunity to teach owners about financial controls while identifying areas of weakness within their practices. Research and history have proven that it is Often the administrators, managers, internal accountants, uh, those types of positions that actually do the bulk of the stealing. So I also never like to give out the roadmap on theft. But since our podcast has listeners from across the spectrum of roles, including MD owners, I figured it was safe to flush out this topic a bit more through today's podcast episode. As we start this discussion I just want to first say to everyone listening that I am sorry. If you have already experienced embezzlement, I am so sorry that this has happened to you. If it has already happened to you, it was most likely at the hands of a very trusted employee and someone that you put a lot of faith into. A few years ago, I contributed to an article on embezzlement in a really good magazine. I'm part of the American Society for Ophthalmic Administrators, which is ASOA. That's my certification body. 
and we have a magazine called Administrative Eye Care. So I was writing this article and I had to do a lot of research on this topic. And I can share with you that the results of that research were heartbreaking. It showed that over and over again, the people doing the theft were these most trusted employees and partners. They say when you start a company with another person that you're essentially marrying that person. So it's really traumatic to find out that your work spouse, so to speak, has actually betrayed you on so many levels through these acts. For those of you who have not yet experienced embezzlement, I'm also sorry because you're either getting ready to experience it or you actually already have and you just don't know it yet. Hopefully after today's episode, you will ask some great questions and either find out what you need to know or implement new systems and financial controls in your practice to help avoid this fate in the future. And lastly, for anyone listening to this podcast that has participated in an embezzlement scheme or stolen from your owners, I'm also sorry because you will be caught and you will undoubtedly have a lot of regret over what you have done. As crazy as this sounds, seven out of 10 practices or almost 80% have already experienced or will experience at some point in their future embezzlement. 80%. That number is shocking to me. When we dig into things a little bit further, we see that the opportunity in a medical practice, or any business for that matter, is right in front of us, and that even the tightest financial controls can still create windows of opportunity for theft. I can share that in my own practice, we've had theft. A front desk employee was caught stealing, and when she was questioned, she had actually convinced herself that it wasn't actually stealing. She was just borrowing the money, and she was moving it between patient accounts. Thankfully, the scam that she was using required a very tricky system of record keeping, and it finally just fell apart, and she was caught. It was unfortunate for our practice, but it did force us to stop and to look at our financial controls and tighten things up so that we had more transparency in a tighter process for the daily reconciliation of money. So we ask, what does embezzlement look like? I should have started by saying that I think of theft and embezzlement as kind of two different versions of the same story. So today we're blending them. Embezzlement typically involves higher level, large volume, a little more complex systems. But really across the board, theft can lead to embezzlement. Embezzlement can lead to theft. It's still the the taking of property that someone is not entitled to. So for my own office, that would be theft. It was a little smaller scale, um, but, you know, really it's just semantics. Today we're going to go over financial controls and we're going to talk about ways to reduce exposure in this area. So legally, the term theft refers to the unlawful taking of property that does not belong to you. Embezzlement, on the other hand, is the taking of property that was rightfully entrusted to you or your care and then stealing it or misappropriating that money or assets for unintended purposes. That's why I said it tends to be kind of a higher, more complex nature and why it tends to be through the person who was 
rightfully entitled to be touching those that money or assets. So an administrator, an accountant, a partner, a co-owner, those kinds of positions. Embezzlers are using their entrusted positions to commit the crime and often use deceit to cover it up or hide it. They can ad- adjust financial documents. Um, they may use company funds to pay for personal expenses. I think that this is probably why embezzlers tend to be these positions, because they're actually the ones entrusted with this authority. Because embezzlement has many faces and can take many forms, it is often not until things start to unravel that the signs of embezzlement become fully recognized. So I'm going to give some examples. And earlier when I said I I hesitate to give this topic um, in such an open forum because you never want to give the roadmap um, to someone who may be up to no good, I also think it's really important that we're all just flushing these out because when you know the areas of weakness, that's when you can address them. I can share that every time I go to one of my annual conferences, I actually seek out the embezzlement session because I don't think like a criminal and I want to know how they're thinking. I want to know where I should be looking. So some examples of embezzlement include possibly using patient credit card numbers to make fraudulent online purchases. This would include your staff. It would also include for those of you that are writing down the credit card numbers and leaving them around the office not secure your cleaning crew, one of the one of the practices I talked to, their cleaning crew was actually getting those credit card numbers and using them online. Falsifying QuickBooks entries to cover up fraudulent check writing, reconciling cash deposits, but then never actually depositing that money into the bank. Using the practice's credit card for personal purchases or maybe paying personal bills with the corporate bank account. For those of you who think that you're theft-proof, this is a big one. Think of how many times your administrator has to run to Walmart for distilled water or toilet paper. Who says that they are not also picking up their dinner that night or a case of bottled water for their son's college dorm? Those are very, very common. Um, Purchasing gift cards with practice funds but using them for personal use. Falsifying MIPS or MACRA or meaningful use reports, whatever we're calling it that year. Submitting raises or benefits through their practice payroll system without the owner's approval. This is a really big one. A lot of favoritism. This happens all the time. You guys, these are just a few of the ways that people are stealing from companies and some of the most common forms of embezzlement that's happening to 80% of us. There's so many more ways that this can happen. And honestly, if you're listening to this episode and at all worried that this might be happening in your own practice, please reach out and contact me. We can talk it through. We can look at different um, areas possibly of weakness, and we can try to identify some solutions. I'm happy to do a review of your financial controls and either, you know, provide some suggestions or to lead you in the right um, direction. If not me, then your accountant, an industry consultant, or honestly just looking into it. If you feel something's not right, trust yourself. You are probably correct. To put some research to this, the National White Collar Crime Center estimates that embezzlement costs businesses and organizations 
$400 billion per year. That's a billion. And uh, Hiscox embezzlement study, this was in 2017, so it's a little dated, but they reported that the median annual loss for healthcare organizations due to this type of theft was $437,000. This is the median annual loss. Annual, $437,000. Most schemes last more than five years. Five years before someone gets caught just shows how it can be the most trusted employees that are taking advantage of these organizations. Okay, so we agree. Embezzlement is real. It is common. It is out there. Most of us are dealing with it. So let's talk about some of the ways to prevent embezzlement or to at least tighten up our financial controls so that we can reduce these opportunities. At a minimum, let's identify if theft is occurring so that we can then address it. But what can we do? We've used the, the phrase financial controls a few times today. So for those of you who may be unfamiliar with what this phrase means, financial controls are the systems and protocol that we have in place in our practice that ensures accountability with the way we handle money while protecting that money as it moves through our offices to where it belongs, which is ultimately the bank account. We all know that in a healthcare setting, the practice owners are typically doctors. Your practice may also be owned by maybe a hospital system or a PE group, but these doctors have gone through a gazillion years of school and training so that they can take great care of patients. They have not, however, been trained in the art of operating a business and quite often do not fully understand the business aspect of running our practices. This in itself has always been really interesting to me because the doctors are the owner, but they're also the product, but they don't know how to run their company, so then they have to hire these other resources. To me, that is just really fascinating, but it also sets up the system where they can be taken advantage of. Does this mean that the physician owner is at fault? No. Being the victim of any crime is terrible. Do the physician owners have a duty to pay attention, to have proper financial controls, maybe implement advice from this podcast or other resources? Absolutely. We can blame our lack of qualifications, but once information is presented to us, we cannot blame our lack of implementing measures that could have helped. The separation of duties is perhaps the most important step that all of us can take on our path to prevent embezzlement. Why? When we separate duties, we're essentially giving different team members responsibility over specific segments of each task so that each party has one small piece, but then only by bringing all of the pieces together do we have the full picture. For example, each registration team member may have a money envelope. They accept patient payments all day long and then post those payments into the practice management system. At the end of the day, they run a report on which payments they accepted and posted, and then they hand off their money envelope to a team leader, maybe an office manager. That team leader then runs a master report and reconciles each individual team member's posting. If there's issues, then the team leader goes back to the individual employee and addresses it. 
If everything matches, the team leader hands off their totals to the next person, which is usually the internal bookkeeper, maybe the office manager, maybe the administrator. And then the office manager cross-checks again, looks at the big picture, identifies anything that looks a little funky, and then makes the final deposit. Layer upon layer upon layer, it is through this checks and balance system that mistakes may be caught, but more importantly, where discrepancies or unusual activities may be identified. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all solution, but unfortunately, there just isn't. Embezzle-proofing a practice is a very individual process that requires a full analysis of all of the different layers already in place so that adjustments and tweaks can be implemented based on the reality of the practice. Because this is such an individualized process, depending on each practice, the internal systems that you already have in place, what's going on with your actual practice, it's hard to really kind of cast a wide net and to generalize, but I can share just a few things to really get you thinking and get you going down the right path. So this is just a laundry list of some things for you to think about. Keep track of petty cash. Require two signatures for petty cash refills. Separate out the financial duties. Checks and balances is what we talked about a couple minutes ago. Walk around the office. Look at surveillance footage. Ask questions from your employees about copays, deductibles, deposits, the money that they've touched. Reconcile and deposit patient payments every single day and your bank accounts every single month. Submit the full bank statement, which includes the images to your accountant or your practice owner. If you're an owner and you've never seen the, the version of the bank statement with copies of the checks, get it. Your bank has those on file. You can easily request that without your administrator knowing. Never allow stamped signatures to be used on any paperwork. Only allow the practice owners to have check signing authority. Alert your payroll company that no raises or wage adjustments are approved unless the practice owners are also copied on the email notification. In our practice, we're required to put that in writing and the practice owners are copied on that. Require your employees to immediately post payments and then address those that don't. Sometimes they get busy, they'll wanna throw it in the drawer. That's a big no-no. Watch for unusual spending or unusual increases in overhead. Have cash deposits counted by one employee, verified by another, and then picked up and locked in a bank bag or a safe or some other place um, until they can be deposited into the bank account. Limit permissions within the practice management system so that the deletion of charges and maybe payments have to be approved by management. Most practice management systems allow you to restrict deletions from your employees. The easiest way for them to cover up is by posting something, giving the patient the uh, receipt, but then deleting it from the system so that you don't know to expect that money. So get rid of those permissions. Restrict the time clock so that employees can only clock in while they're actually in the office. Monitor payroll. Look for fluctuations. Implement a system of transparency and oversight. Although this is a long list, you still aren't done. Continuous review, audit, and oversight 
is a beginning, but you've got to stay engaged. And as much as it is just awful, if you are the victim of embezzlement, you have to prosecute. It is only through prosecution that the person who was stealing has the proper record so that the rest of us don't end up hiring them in the future. So I know this is a big topic. It was a heavy topic. It's such an important topic. Um, I hope that anyone listening is, is not dealing with this, but I think it's one of those things that it's really good to put it out there. It's really good to talk about it because it just helps all of us do better. We, like I said, the reason for the podcast is to build this community to learn from each other and talk about the tough stuff while providing support for one another through the tough stuff. So for anyone wanting to discuss this topic in more detail, you can always email me at Ashley, which is A-S-H-L-I-E at P-M-L-C-L-A-W.com. For everyone else, thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. Stay safe, and we look forward to talking with you again next week. Practice Management Insights is a podcast produced by Practice Management and Legal Consulting. For more information, visit us at pmlclaw.com or to submit a topic for future consideration, email Ashley, A-S-H-L-I-E, at pmlclaw.com.